we have any. But I do have something special. Can you all bear with me for a second? Because I am super excited about Father's Day. And I wanted to honor the Father at our house. So just give me a second. Because this is really emotional and really important for me to say. I think it's important to give people their flowers while they are alive. Amen. It's really important. <laughs> I hope I don't make you cry. But it was interesting. I read something recently that says every person alive has a father. Unfortunately, there are many children that grow up without a dad. A male can father a child, but this doesn't automatically make him a dad. Being a dad is all about being a present and responsible parent. A dad will always be there for you. A father may not even know you were born. A father is guaranteed the title of dad is earned by being there for your children no matter what. I remember a day, it was a period of time where I was transitioning. I was a single mom and I was having a rough time. But I remember driving, I was living in New Jersey at the time, I remember driving to a parking lot. It was actually my old church parking lot. And I said, God, the next man that you send in my life, please let him be of you. That was important to me, for me to have a man of God, for not just myself, but also for my son. And he answered that prayer with this man. He did. He did. So we celebrate you today, primarily because of the impact that you made in our son's life, Tristan. Tristan woke up the other morning, it was Saturday, he's like, Mom, you know what? Today's gonna be a great morning. Today is going to be a great day. And it reminded me that your example, the way you model your behavior, has an impact on him where he feels safe enough to know that every day is going to be a great day. So I thank you. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you mostly for praying, not pouting. <laughs> I thank you for strategizing and not stressing. And I thank you for your commitment to fatherhood. It's important. I thank you. And I love you. I want you Okay, so I'm going to go back to my seat and tear a little bit in my seat, but I thank y'all for giving me that moment. We're going to move on in a second. Come on, let's clap our hands for the first lady in this house. She's trying to break me down before the message, but uh, I'm honored. I'm honored that God would, would allow me to raise a son. I have two older daughters, 19 and 22, and one year old granddaughter. And so I am a girl dad, and so the Lord would see fit that he would afford me the opportunity to raise a son. And I am blessed and privileged and honored uh, to be in their lives and uh, to raise a young man um, who um, does sit like me, talk like me. He loves, it's fascinating. Not growing in the house with my father. It's fascinating to watch what he looks at 
when I'm in the closet and I'm getting dressed, he comes and watches me. And he comes and plays in my neckties. Although I don't wear them much, but he comes and plays in my neckties and he wants to wear a necktie. And he can't wait to put on his suit jackets. And it's funny that you end up uh, emulating what you see. And so I praise God for the privilege of that. Amen. Let's go to the word of God before I get too emotional. Because the Lord has given me a word this morning that I want to deliver to all of my great fathers out there, whether you're watching online, whether you're in the building, I want to give this word to you. Father, soon to be father. Father, you don't know it. Father, and you do know it. I got a word from the Lord for you that the Lord has given me. Let's go to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. If you've been around church long enough, you probably can quote this verbatim. But do me the favor of just reading along with us this morning. Psalms 27. My God, he's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. He is a worthy God, worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, our God is worthy to be praised. I don't care what you went through this week or what you went through this weekend or even this morning. Our God is worthy of the praise. My God, when the enemy came in, God stood right there by your side. God, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 27. Of course, starting verse 1. Will you have it say amen? The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and failed. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The roar shall rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his provision. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and he shall, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. And when thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away uh, in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my, mother, when my father and my mother forsake me, 
Then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of thy enemies. Deliver me not unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are rising up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had a fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Verse 13 is really where I want to point my attention. I have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want to talk to every father, every man, every person in this room. You feel like things have been going haywire. You feel like things have been going crazy. You feel like things have been scattered. You have been wondering, Lord, what has been going on in my life? What is happening, Lord? What are you trying to tell me? Will I die before seeing the promise the Lord told me to tell you? You will see it soon. Yeah. You will see it soon. Yeah, you will see it soon and in fact whenever you write that title down you got to write it down you will and capitalize the word will see it and put a comma there soon exclamation point you will see it soon let us pray spirit of the living God fall upon your people today God fall fresh today God we come here today with an expectation in our heart, God. While we celebrate the natural father, we celebrate you as our spiritual father. And God, we come today asking for direction and clarity. Hide me behind the cross, God. Whatever we problems we may have had before we come in here, God, we lay them at your feet and we thank you, Lord, for answering prayers and answering questions that we may have had, God. We thank you for giving us clarity and giving us wisdom and giving us understanding as to how to keep moving in this thing called life. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do, what you're about to say. We thank you for what you've already done. Thank you, Lord, that the promises that you have for us we're about to see it soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to see it soon. You will see it soon, 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 soon. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You will see it soon. 
I must uh, confess and tell you that this is, when the Lord gave me this message, it was not, generally when, when you get a message and you get a word, uh, on a Sunday morning as a pastor, you get the word that is more pastoral in nature. This word that I have, I almost wore one of my robes because it feels more of an evangelist type message because this is a direct message from the Almighty God. This is a direct message from God. This is not a Sunday morning sermon, as it were. This is not a normal Sunday morning message, three points in a poem. This is a direct message from God for you. Whatever you've been dealing with, whatever has been going on in your life, the Lord told me to tell you, you will see it soon. Amen. In 2015, I started an organization called Dads United. And Dads United was all about showing the world that good dads do exist. It was an organization where we are founded on the principles that there is a good dad in front, in, inside of you. And just because you did not have a father does not mean that your kids do not deserve a father in their life. And so it's an opportunity for us to gather together for me to speak into the Father's lives and to tell them that there is a great man, there is a great Father within you. No matter how you feel or what you've gone through, there is a great Father within you and to encourage and motivate the fathers. The reason why I started that is because I have noticed that there are a plethora of organizations and a plethora of uh, magazines and periodicals that are dedicated to our wonderful mothers out there. They're dedicated to our wonderful sisters. But very, very rarely will you see something dedicated not to the man himself, but to the father within the male to teach us how to be fathers, to encourage us as fathers. I laughed uh, within myself as Sister Sharice was up here singing and, and I could hear the loudest voice in the room was her, her wonderful mother supporting her and, and, and giving her uh, encouragement. Come on, let's bless God for her. And I thank God for our mothers because without our mothers, some of us would not be here where we are today. We made it on the backs of our mothers. We made it. We had a praying grandmama praying for us in the corner, pleading the blood and rebuking the devil and causing cancer to drop in our body because mama was praying. And so I am grateful to God for our great mothers, our great aunties, our big sisters. I'm grateful to God for all the, the attributes that the wonderful women in our lives have made and in this world. But I started Dad United because I was concerned about the lack of supportive voices there were for fathers and namely black fathers. There is such a, a, a dire need since the, the time that I started the organization, there has been more and more organizations that have popped up now, which is great because we understand that we can no longer be the generation that don't support our fathers and that leave us out there on an island to think that everything that you're going through is independent for who you are. No, man, I came to tell you that everything that you are going through, most of the things that you are going through, rather, are natural to the journeyhood of fatherhood. Yes. But see, if nobody tells us that, then you think that everything you're going through 
is this anomaly. Everything you're going through is isolated to you. Whether you're a new husband, you're a new father, whether you've been in it for many years, everything you're going through is a natural progression in the journey of being a father and being a man. And so I started the organization as a support group, as a support mechanism to talk to fathers and tell them, man, that you are more than a wallet. You are more than a taxi cab. You are more than Mr. Fix-It. You are more than a security agent at the house, the bouncer of the front door. You are a man, and there is a man inside of you, and sometimes that man feels like a little boy and you do matter. That was the focal point of the organization and is the focal point of the organization to tell my fathers, you do matter. Because what I've learned from that, amen, amen, you do matter. What I've learned from that is the reality is that the role of the man or the father is loosely based on the man or the father that raised you. And so some of us grew up with the ideal that being a man, being a father means that you go out and you sire many children and you go out and you have women strolled across uh, many states and many different cities. And so that means that you are a man because you have this number of women in your past. And some, some people will say it's being a man is you going out and getting a good job. And, and getting a good job depends on the, the industry you're in and kind of depends on the city you're in. Some people, it was getting a good job of working for the train station or getting a good job of working for the bus station or getting a good job was this or that or being, getting a good job was working for uh, GM Motors or, or some kind of auto mechanic place. And getting a good job was considered being a good man by some standards or even you get a good you buy a house and, and being a good man being a good father is you're outside every Saturday cutting the grass and, and outside sweating every Saturday morning they know at 8 o'clock you'll be cutting the grass and dad's going to be edging that's your thing that's what you do that's what that's who you are or you're going to you're missing to fix it you bring a car that needs to be fixed and you know dad is going to fix it he knows how he tell you by the sound of that car, that's your carburetor going out. That's that transmission slipping. So you need to get, that's that catalytic converter. You need to get that fixed. And he knows, he knows all about cars from the sound. He can tell you, you drive down the street and, and you hit the brakes, your, those brakes need to be replaced. And, and he, he tell you, just stop out of auto zone and we'll, we'll get that done. And so it depends on who raised you as to what you saw a good man or a good father was. And I realized over time that the role of the father changes, but not the need. The role of the father changes, but not the need, because now you will have our sisters who will go out and will make all kinds of money. So you don't have to go out there and be the top breadwinner anymore. Right now, we can both go out there and make the bread and bring, make the bacon, bring home the bacon, and we, we can both fry it. So you don't have that weight and responsibility of being the head breadwinner anymore. You still may be, but there, the times have changed where that's not all the men who do it. Some men are stay-at-home fathers. They stay at home. They're stay-at-home husbands. They kiss the wife and give her the coffee on the way out the door. They get the kids to preschool. They get the kids to school and to their activities. And the role of what the father used to look like has changed. But not the need. Not the need for fathers. 
The need for fathers is still the same. The need for fathers, in fact, stats have shown that, that black fathers are readily more active in our kids' lives than in previous generations. Those stats are not really put out there in the media much, but, but we need to know that, 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 that there are great black fathers. There are great fathers. We're not an anomaly. We're not Mr. Snuffleupagus on Sesame Street. We do exist. The role of the father changes. The need does not because from generation to generation, each generation is learning that the previous generation failed to give us something. And so now this generation of fathers, we are learning now that our fathers taught us a lot about how to react outwardly, but not how to react inwardly. And so you know how to react to things outwardly, but don't know how to internalize and know how to process things inwardly because our fathers really did not talk to us about how they really felt. They didn't talk to us about what it was like to be a man. And yes, you were six foot two and stocky build and a former football player, but at certain times, you were scared like a little 10-year-old boy who was just looking for his mother in the mall. They didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that there were times where I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I thought that, that this last test was going to be the test that takes me out. They didn't talk to you about that. They didn't talk to you about the fact that your mother is getting older and I'm getting older. And, and that sex at one time for us is not going to be as, necess as a necessity as it once was in our 20s. And there are going to be times where you're not going to want it as a man. And there's nothing wrong with you. You just getting older. They didn't tell you that. Is this okay? I think that we don't have any kids in here. So I'm going to just be real with us today that sometimes being a man is not what they made me or prepared me for. I was prepared for the outside fight. I was prepared, you, you come in the house and if you come in and you don't announce yourself, then there's some preparations been made for you to let you know you picked the wrong house. You probably should have rang that doorbell and told me you were coming in. I'll pray for you as the ambulance is on their way. I didn't know you were coming in. I think you get what I'm saying. I'm from Texas. Bang, bang. Um, just in case it wasn't clear, let me get that out. Brother, got some little help, all right? Anyway, we were prepared for that. You were prepared for, you, you know, your cousins are moving, and you got the pickup truck in the family. So you know what that means. Somebody moving, and you know you haven't heard from them in weeks. Now you heard, because mama called and said, you know your cousin Jane and they moving this weekend. Suddenly, cousin Jean calling you Thursday night. You already know what that's about. You got the truck. 
Can you just come help me move? Or can you just, if you don't bring your pickup, just come over here and lift this refrigerator for me. You already know. You know how to respond outwardly. Some trees need to be cut down. We need to cut the grass. We need to do something. We need to move this lumber. You know how to react outwardly. These kids acting up. He's smelling himself. I'm going to stand up to him. I'm going to show him who the man of the house. You know how to react outwardly. But nobody told us how to react inwardly. Nobody told us that there are going to be days where you question, is this the existence of my life? And will I ever be happy? Nobody ever said that as a man, that some days as a man, you wonder, will anybody ever see me and hear my internal screams? Because I can't really scream to her. Because if I scream to her, who would she scream to? And I can't really scream to the brothers around me because I don't know you like that, though. I can't scream to the other members in the family because we're doing good and they're looking at us as an example. So I can't go and debunk that myth of how good I'm doing. And so now I'm isolated. And I'm sitting in this chair wondering, does anybody notice how miserable I am? Yeah. Is this okay? I want to talk to my men and to my fathers in here that you, the reason why our older men grew bitter and grew angry is because they never learned to let what was on the inside out. And they grew and they had heart problems and they were grumpy, old, angry men because they never expressed outwardly what was going on on the inside. Every man, when they hit 40, has a moment where you wonder no matter how good your life is going, is this the totality of my life? Will I have made a difference when this thing is over? Every man goes through that. And every man wants a safe place. And, and my sisters, let me tell you this. If he begins to open up no matter how crazy it sounds, you gotta let him get it out. You gotta let him get it out. See, because when we generally say, I don't trust you, when the woman says it, the wife, the girlfriend says it, that's a physical thing. I don't trust you because I don't know what you're gonna do in certain situations. When we say, I don't trust you, 
is I don't trust you with me. Because the moment I begin to show you me, and I'm going to give you a little bit to see what you do with that. And if you beat me back over the head with it, or you try to remind me of it in the, in the heat of battle, then I'll never come to you again because I'm trying to find a safe place. And so I'm going to release the valve just a little bit and tell you just a little bit. And everything is not for you to fix. I just got to get it out of my head because it's killing me to keep running over and over in my head. I just need to say that this job is driving me crazy. And I don't know what to do. And so, when a man says, I don't trust her, is I don't feel safe with her. And the scariest thing in the world is for a man not to have a safe place. Amen. Delilah was his safe place. Because his name slips my mind right now. Samson. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad I got it's a Bible scholar in this room. She was Samson's safe place and asked, Where is your strength? And it doesn't, if you just read it from the, the, the Sunday school lessons, you would think that he was this big, strong, he-man looking guy. But you never have to ask somebody that looks like that, where is your strength? Because his strength was internal. And most men or strong on the inside and weak on the inside at the same time. And it really kind of depends on how you catch us as to which one you're going to get. And so the only time our fathers would really express what was going on on the inside is when they were mad. And the only time you really got what was on the inside is when they were angry and knocking tables over and said, I'm the man of this house. We're going to do this. Then if something happens and it pulls the, his other emotions out, he walks away, he doesn't show you. Or you just say, that's just your mama. And he doesn't really say that that hurt me. It hurt and generally, you don't get these kind of confessions until they're on their deathbed, and it's far too late. And by then, you kind of set in your ways. And because we have not known how to really express ourselves properly, and you only express yourself in anger, and your anger causes you to say certain things, now you have said some things that you cannot get back from her or get back from the kids because you never learned to express yourself except for anger and that anger was not really who you were. It's just what you said out of frustration. Amen. And many men have isolated themselves, alienated themselves from their family, from their kids, from their friends because they were angry and that's the only emotion that you can express and in that anger the little boy spoke up, but the man had to pay the consequences. Is this okay? Yeah. Our fathers would tell you, be a man. Stop crying. Be a man. Now, 
I do get this privilege of, of raising a son now. And so there are, there are times where I have said, stop crying. It's just a small fault. Get up. Pick yourself up. It's okay. And mama will come and let me check on he's okay. He's all right. Because I have learned that your kids are going to base their reaction off of yours. So if you overreact, and if you react to it, then they're going to react to it because they are feeding off of you. So there are times, the other day, he, he, he hit his foot, and he was, he was, I mean, he was waiting. He was, he was welling up. He was welling up. And I looked because I assessed. I can tell it stings, but it didn't kill you. It didn't hurt that bad. So he was looking at me, and I said, you okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Come here, let me pray for you. Because that's what I have to do. That's, that you have to give a different response now. And so I said, let me pray for him. And I prayed for him. I said, you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then he went upstairs. And I thought, okay, I know where you're going. You're going to the comforter. Because I didn't really comfort you that well. And I know he was going up to where the comfort is. But in times like this, you got to teach our sons the real point about being a man is that sometimes you're going to be hurt, but you got to keep moving. Sometimes you can be hurt, you got to keep moving. But there are times, there, was, there are certain situations where I will let him get it out and we have to be able to cry because it's a natural response to what's going on. And so I'm no longer going to say that you being a little girl, hey man, I'm going to say get it out of you because you got to get out of you what's going on on the inside. And we have raised too many boys being frustrated, angry men because the little boy never got a chance to cry. The little boy never got a chance Tears are basically an outward expression of what's going on the, on, on the inside. And so our fathers just said, be a man, be a man. And so you took being a man as being aggressive and being strong, but sometimes being a man as being weak and crying and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, I'm scared to death and I need you. Sometimes being a man is falling down on your knees and saying, Lord, help me. Sometimes being a man is just lifting your hands in the middle of the day and just saying, Lord, help me. I don't have any other articulate words. I can't think of any other words in the thesaurus. I can't go to Webster's Dictionary. This is only the only thing I can do, Lord, is Lord, help me me. I may have went to school, I may have a doctrine, but Lord the only thing that can come to mind the only thing that I can really say right now is Lord help me. Sometimes being a man is not being afraid to ask for help and ask for assistance from the almighty God, the one who made you and said Lord help me. And then the Lord may send you back to her and say, I need help with this. And you got to be man enough to admit, I don't know everything. And I should, but I don't know everything. 
even in the areas where technically as a man we have been taught you should know. I don't know every noise with the car. I don't know how to fix the AC. I don't know what's wrong with the plumbing. If I get my wrenching out right now, we will end up having a pool in the living room. I don't know. It is fine that I don't know how to fix it. It is fine that I don't know how to fix the kids. And it's fine that I don't know how to fix me. That's why I go back to God. We've got to be willing to say, I don't know. Lord, help me. The thing that I love about David, and I'm going to close so you can go out and get your Father's Day lunch or brunch or, or whatever you're going to do. The thing that I, that I love about David is that David was handpicked by God. He was chosen by God. Because God knew he could trust David's heart. God picked David and said, I have found a man after my own heart when David was still a boy. Isn't it amazing that God will call you a man even while you feel like a boy? That God would ask of you certain things while you ask yourself, can I do it? God said, I looked at you and I saw the man that I am calling you to be. And you say, Lord, I don't feel like a man. He say, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what you have inside of you. God has a way of drawing out of you what is inside of you if you listen. But many of us are too afraid to get outside of our comfort zone because our comfort zone is comfortable. And so our comfort zone, you have peace there. You know everything, how it flows and how it works within your comfort zone. So there's no need of you ever stepping outside of it. But you cannot grow and be in the womb at the same time. At a certain point, uh, the pregnant woman has to let go of the baby. Otherwise, the baby will begin to kill her because the baby on the inside will grow too big for the world in which it was embryoed in. The world that the baby is developing in is too small for it. And the baby that was at one time a blessing on the inside will begin to be poison to her body if she does not release that baby. And some of you are trying to stay within the cocoon of where God had you and you are poisoning it and it is poisoning you and it is a toxic relationship because you cannot grow in that place because that comfort zone is too small for you. Wow. Wow. It's too small. So the prophet Samuel came. He came to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. He came and he said, God has anointed a king out of this house. And Jesse came and brought his sons, one by one by one. And the prophet had the oil, but there was no flow. He had the oil, but there was no flow. And the prophet said, is this it? And David's father said, that's all. And the prophet reminded him, no, I don't think there's, this is all. You have one. And think about this. How demeaning it must feel that your own father 
have to be reminded of your existence. Your own father had to be reminded that you were there. And the Lord said there are many fathers you feel dejected and rejected by your natural father. So you say, this is as good as I'm going to get. And you long for a real existence of a relationship with your father. But who we're talking about today was rejected by his father. And when David came up from the field, from shepherd and the sheep, he came up from the field and the oil flowed. I came to tell you it doesn't matter who rejects you. God has an anointing and he has a destiny for you. I know you will want things to be better between you and him, you and the old man. But God said, I'm going to use your rejection as a, your anointing to the next level. I'm going to use the fight that you had to go through, the misunderstandings you had. I'm going to use that. I'm putting all of that in the inventory of your belly, in the inventory of your mind, in the inventory of your heart, so that when I promote you to king, you can really serve and you and be blessed and bless people based off of the things that you have experienced. David got anointed as king. And he went back to the flock of sheep. You would think that he got anointed as king and his ne the next day he would be in the temple. He would be in the castle. The next day he would be sitting on the throne. But he, he got anointed. God gave him a promise. Then told him to go back to what you're doing. And I came to tell you, God gave you a promise. And you say, God, I know I heard your word. You gave me a promise. How could you give me a promise and then send me back to that dumb thing? How could you give me a promise? How could you anoint me? How could you put me on public display in front of everybody? All of my family is here. And everybody in that line that preceded me thought they was getting what I got. You gave it to me. You blessed me in front of them. And yet you still told me to go back to the dumb thing. Wow. How could you do that and send me back to that? The Lord said, that was all part of the purging process. I'm giving you a glimpse of what's about to happen. And then I'm going to draw back so that I can purge out of you every impurity in you so that you can learn who you are and understand that my promises are yea and amen. That if I gave you a promise and I, I stepped back or I told you to go back to that dumb thing, it's not that I was being cruel. But what I want you to do is I want you to seek me to understand the promise I gave you. Because if I anointed you and I gave you the promise and I put you in the promise the next day. Again, I said, I've been saying it the last couple of weeks. I don't know why I've been saying it, but the Lord had me say it. I prepared the blessing. Now I'm preparing you for the blessing. I, I anointed you as king. I told you that this is your destiny. Then I stepped back so that you can now 
uh, now you can apprehend that which you've been apprehended of. I wanted to draw you closer to the destiny and the promise I had for you. So now it makes you say, Lord, if you saw that much in me to anoint me there in front of my family, what does that mean? What, what am I supposed to do? Teach me your word so that at the time that I am supposed to get the promise, it comes, I am ready for the fight of success. I am teaching you how to be ready for the fight of success. Because now, you keep reading. Now, David is in charge of taking the lunch to his brothers who are on the battlefield and being taunted by this giant. And now David is on the battlefield taking lunch to his brothers, seeing his brothers and Saul's army being taunted by this giant, taunted by this thing that nobody had the courage to kill. And so now David says, give me the chance that you're too scared to take. And now David goes and does something that unlocks his future and unlocks his destiny he kills the giant that other people were afraid to kill. And as a man, as a father, you have been called to kill the giant that's been tormenting your brothers and your sisters and your family. You have been called to kill the giant that your fathers were afraid to kill. It was taunting you. It was running down your bloodline. But the Lord said, I have given you the stone to kill the giant that's been taunting you. I have given you the stone to kill the thing that's been confronting you and saying that we shall not die and we're going to stay in this bloodline and we're going to stay in this family. The Lord said, I anointed you so that you can know how strong you are because I'm going to do something so undeniable in you that it's going to change the trajectory of your family. Your bloodline is going to be affected by the thing that I'm going to give you the victory to conquer. Can you say amen? Before you get the promise fully, you got to deal with the field of uncertainty. The field of uncertainty. Before you get ready to confront Goliath, you got to deal with the field of uncertainty. Did I hear him right? Am I, I know you promised me something, but surely I may have missed the mark. And God said, the only thing I'm asking you to do is walk before me and be perfect and I will establish you. And so David went through problems in his life. You know it if you've been around the Bible at any time. You know about the story of Bathsheba. That he, he went and he saw Bathsheba bathing and went and had sex with her and, and called her husband. He got her pregnant and called her husband Uriah in from the battlefield and called Uriah in and Uriah had been in battle and said you need to come in and get to know your wife again because David was trying to cover up his sins with Bathsheba. But Uriah was committed to his men on the battlefield. And he said, no, I'm going to sleep outside. I'm not worthy to be in there. And so David, once he realized that that plan wouldn't work, he put a note 
Uh, he gave uh, uh, Uriah a note and said, take this to your sergeant. And he gave him a note and said, put him on the front line and got Uriah killed because of his sins. And then Uriah got killed and, and, and Bathsheba had the baby and the baby died. And God sent Nathan the prophet before the baby died and told him the baby's going to die and your family's going to be plagued with murder because of your sins. It's going to be plagued in your bloodline. And his first son, Amnon, was murdered by his brother Absalom because, because Am Amnon ended up sleeping with Tamar, his half-sister, and tried to really seduce her. And since she didn't give in to the seduction, he ended up raping her. And then uh, uh, his brother Absalom came in and murdered her. This, if you ever get to read this Bible, the Bible is not really G-rated in the Old Testament. It's G-rated as you go into the New. But if you go into that Old Testament, yeah, they something we can't really put in the children's church. We can't really put in Sunday school. It's really kind of, uh, really like that... Uh, G-rated, uh, uh, R-rated. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have control of his own kids because of the judgment that God decreed on And so David was known, he was an attractive man who could play the instruments and he was so, such a, a woman, a womanizer that when, the, when he was old, they put a virgin in his bed and he didn't touch her. They said, well, the king is dead. And some of us, you had to live that life and have that scarring from your father because your father said that that's what a man is. And so now that you 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 getting older and wiser, you choose not to live that kind of lifestyle. Now people are saying the king is dead. Well, let him die. And Saul who David came in and served, tried to kill him multiple times and never had the opportunity to do it. And so David has this, this life which is so complex because I'm called of God, I'm anointed of God. God pointed me out. But still, I still fell into sin. I still fell into shame. I had problems in my family. I had problems in my personal life. I had promise, I had problems all around me. But still, David was God's man. God knew that he was going to have all these problems when he said, I have found the man. And that's what I want to tell you, my brother. God chose you before you got into the mess. God chose you before you made the terrible decision. God chose you. He said, I have found a man after my own heart because the thing that I admire so much about David is that David, despite all of his mistakes, despite everything he may have done, David was a praiser of God. David would praise God. He didn't care who was looking. He didn't care how you felt. David was praising God. And so, my brothers, I want to tell you that sometimes being a man is being open and honest about your praise unto God. Being unashamed that I am going to praise the Lord. I don't care what comes. I don't care what happens. Come what will or may, I'm going to praise God. In fact, David did it so well that when he retrieved the ark from the house of Obed-Edom, 
he, the Bible says that he was dancing so that Michael, Saul's daughter, looked at the window and she hated David and despised her, despised him in her heart because of the way he was praising God. And some of you, my brothers, you need to break out of that timidity of praising God. It doesn't feel manly to raise my hands. I don't feel very much able to praise God. But you got to be able to praise God. It doesn't matter who's looking. Because if you are at a football game, you will be screaming and jumping over pews and you wouldn't care who saw you. But when it comes to praising God, suddenly we become shy. Suddenly you don't want anybody to see you. But if you really want to get after the heart of God, you got to be willing in the midst of hell and chaos, in the midst of everybody else looking at you, to lift your hands and say, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to bless the name of the Lord because if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have been swallowed up. So I came to tell you, my brother, some of the attributes of being a great man and being a great father is being a praiser of your God. Some of the attributes of being a great man is lifting up your hands or have your children hear you walking around the house hear your wife hear you walking around the house saying Lord I thank you Lord I praise you Lord I lift you up I bless your name who you talking to daddy I'm just talking to God I praise you because of everything you've done for me I praise you because I could be locked up I praise you because I could be in jail I praise you because I'm somewhere that I needed to be not where I necessarily wanted to be years ago because I didn't know I wanted to be here. I thought I needed to be somewhere else because if you give me my choice, I would rather be in the street somewhere. But he said, no, I'm calling you out of those streets. Those streets are not your friends. So I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to clean you up. And your flesh said, go back to the streets. Your flesh said, go back to that. But your spirit is saying, I can't go back to that because this is where God got me. And God got a better promise than the streets did. God got a better promise than the clubs did. God got a better promise than the beds did. So I'm going to serve the Lord with, with gladness and serve the Lord with my whole heart. And so being a man is sometimes you just got to praise God randomly. I want every man in here, every father, just give God a praise in this place. Come on, brothers. Help me praise God. Open up your mouth, lift your hands, clap your hands, and praise God for what he's about to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, one thing about David is that David was a praiser. So David would repent. And that's one thing we gotta be mindful of, fathers. We gotta be mindful of, brothers, is that David would repent. Psalms 51 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. This is what I love. He says, Cap in verse number nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Sometimes, brothers, we don't know what to say. We feel bad. And so you cannot live in that shame. Sometimes, God, you just got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a 
right spirit in me, God. I repent of my sins. I repent of my foolish thinking. I repent of still thinking like my daddy. I repent of still thinking like my uncles. I repent of still thinking like my past. Create in me a clean heart, God. Give me a heart, God, after you. Give me a heart of service, God. Give me a heart back for my family, God. Give me a heart of love, God. I'm sorry, Lord. And to be a man means that sometimes you got to admit when you were wrong and say, Lord, I want to make a change in my life. Just saying I'm sorry is not repentance. Repentance is when you turn around and you go back the opposite direction. And sometimes we as brothers, we struggle to re actually repent. We'll say I'm sorry all day. But true repentance starts in your heart and is moved with your feet when you turn around and you go back the opposite direction and say I don't care what that offers me over here. I'd rather have God's heart than your approval. And I would rather live in God's authority and God's favor than to have you like me all day long. So sometimes, brother, you just got to go back and repent unto God. I need all of my brothers to look at another brother and say, don't run from God. Yeah, don't run from God. I don't care how tough it gets. I don't care how challenging it gets. Don't run from God. Don't run from the only place that you can really find answers. Don't run from the only place that you can always find love. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 and 15, the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. That means that I don't really promise to call you every day. So if I'm calling you, that is a sign that I still love you. He whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And if the Lord is chastening you, it's a sign of love and affection. We see it as a sign of judgment and seeing it as a sign of cruelty. But that's not really true. It's not necessarily a sign of wrath. It's a sign of love. If I'm running after you, that's because I don't want you to go off of that cliff. If I'm running after you, it's because I love you too much to see you diminish yourself and then go to your own demise. If I love you enough to keep whooping you, it's because I want to whoop you into repentance before the devil sinks his teeth into you. So if the Lord is chastening you, that's a sign of how much he loves you. Because if I didn't love you, I would just let you go off and do whatever you want to do. I will let you jump off the cliff. I'll let you say whatever and lose all the relationships in your life. But because I love you, I'm chastening you and I'm trying to keep you and I'm telling you, man, stay calm. Calm down. Chill out. Talk to somebody else. It's not as bad as you think. And I want to tell every brother, don't run from the Lord. Don't run from God. Come what will or may, stay in God's house. Stay in God's face. Stay in God's face. When Jacob, when Jacob was wrestling with the angel, he said, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. And some of us brothers, the reason why we haven't been blessed, the reason why you can't get out of that funk is because you're too timid about your victory. The, Jacob said, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. Hannah is a great example because Hannah was praying and said, Lord, if you give me this thing, she was praying so much that they thought she was drunk. And that's where our sisters have us be because when our sisters want something and our sisters need something, they don't care who's looking. They don't care what it looks like. They don't care how it appears. You can call me 
drunk all you want to, but I'm going after that thing God called me to do. I don't care how, what you say, I'm going after this thing. She said, give me a child, lest I die. And most of us brothers don't want it bad enough till you say, give me this promise, lest I die. We say, give me this promise as long as I can get it after five. Give me this promise as long as I can get it in this parameter. Give me this promise as long as I can get it by 8.30 before the game comes on. But some of you, you got to be so committed to the promise. It doesn't matter, come what will or may. Come hell or hot water, I'm going to stand here and stand on the promises of God. God told me my family's going to be blessed. God told me I'm going to be blessed, and I refuse to accept anything except the blessing of the Lord. And I need some hungry man, some hungry father to praise your God for what he's about to do in your life. Come on, brothers. Come on, brothers, and praise God. Open up your mouth and praise God for what he's about to do in your life. Psalms 27 can almost be broken down into three different songs because it go, it really shows the, the, the complexity of our lives because David starts in a praise. He kind of goes to lamenting and starts back, goes back to a praise. And isn't that how our life is sometimes? Sometimes you start the day in praise. Then you get confronted with your day and you start lamenting. And then by the time you finish the day, you're going back in praise. I love Psalms 27 because it shows the complexity of the human experience. It shows that you can be a, someone who actually wrote part of the Bible but still have complexities in your life. That is so assuring to me as a pastor, as a man, that I don't have to be perfect all the time. That sometimes you're going to come around me and it depends on the day. And I can tell you to fight man a good fight of faith. And sometimes you come around me and I'm going to tell you, man, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to just have to stay right here. But that is the complexity of man. But come what will or may, I may say I don't know what I'm going to do. But having done all to stand, I'm going to stand right here. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to stand right here until God delivers me. I'm not going to the left or to the right. I don't know what to think, but I'm going to stand right here. And this is why I want to close. David said in verse 13, I had a faint unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David basically says, I almost lost my heart. I almost lost my heart because of everything I saw because of all the calamities I saw, because of everything I experienced. And that's the reason why some of our older men are so bitter, because they lost their heart based off of what they saw. They never got into Psalms 27 and 13, where David said the same thing, man, I felt just like you. I had the kids acting crazy. I had the wife acting crazy. I had my cousins acting crazy. I had the job acting crazy. I had society acting crazy. It's not safe to just be a black man in America. You can't even walk down the street. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to church. You just can't take a walk in your neighborhood. I almost fainted. I almost lost my heart because of everything I saw. I, did, I almost failed to... to Fail to even believe I can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it's almost like David had one of those epiphanies and he was talking to himself. He said, wait on the Lord. Wait a minute. He said, wait a minute. 
It's almost like, you know how you had that argument in your head? You said, I almost fainted. I should faint. I should faint. Things are not going right. I should faint. And then that other side of you say, wait a minute. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. And sometimes you got to go back and forth with yourself. Wait on the Lord. And the Lord told me to tell you, don't lose heart, brother, because you are going to see it soon. I don't know who this is for. I don't know, maybe you're watching online, but the Lord said you are going to see it soon. You are going to see it soon. These light afflictions you've been going through are but for a moment. He said you are going to see it soon. I had something else to preach for Father's Day, and I struggled, and I walked around the house for days on days on days, and she asked me, what's wrong? And I couldn't articulate it. What's going on? And I couldn't articulate it. And I said, Lord, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I know you gotta be saying something else. And he said, go to Psalms 27 and read it all the way through. And tell my sons, don't lose heart because you are going to see it soon, brother. Weeping may endure. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. And the Lord said, you're going to see it soon. And you're going to see what all the trouble was about. And you're about to get the victory, brother. I know you haven't been feeling very victorious lately. I know you've been feeling weak and you couldn't even explain why you've been feeling weak. But the Lord said, you're about to see it soon. You're about to see why the devil's been fighting you. You're about to see why hell has been raising his hell hounds against you. You're about to see what everything has been going on around you for. It's because you're about to see it soon. And so the devil was trying to discourage you from your promise. He was trying to knock you off your kilter. He was trying to knock you off of your place. He was trying to say that you should just give in to your temptations and go back to your old man. And every time you felt like you should go back, God was saying, don't move. Stay here. Stay in good courage. Don't lose heart. Because God wanted me to tell you that you're about to see it soon. You're about to see it soon. It's coming sooner than you think, my brother. It's coming sooner than you think. I, I heard the Lord say, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. It's about to make sense to you, my brother. And I dare you to praise God. Because that's your promise from God. You are about to see it soon. Come on, brother. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I need my sisters to help me praise God with my brothers. You ought to praise God for your fathers. Praise God for your brothers. Praise God for your nephews. Praise God for your family. You're about to see it soon. I praise God for what he's about to do. I bless the Lord for what he's about to do. Doors he's about to open. Ways that are being made. I thank God for what he's about to do in your life. I need you to take 30 seconds, brother, and shut me down. Take 30 seconds and shut me down. Shout. 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 Shout in his house. Shout in his house. Shout for your deliverance. Shout for your breakthrough. Shout. It's about to happen. You're about to see it soon. My God. 
to sing so. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Isaiah 40 and 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall walk and not lose heart. They shall walk and not lose heart. You can't lose heart, brother, because you're about to see it soon. You're about to see what all the hell was about. You're about to see what all the fighting was about. You're about to see what all those sleepless nights was about. You can't give in. You can't give up. You can't give out. You're about to see it soon, brother. The Lord said you're about to see it soon. He said, remind them of this, and then I'm done. I promise you, I'm done. I'm closing. I'm done, and I'm closing. But the Lord, right before I went to bed, he said, go to Romans 8.28. But go to it in the Amplified Version. He said, and we know, parentheses, with great confidence, close parentheses, that God, parentheses, who is deeply concerned about us, close parentheses, Causes all things to work together, parentheses, as a plan, close parentheses, for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for my good. You didn't feel good, but it's working for your good. You didn't like it. You hated it, but it's working together for your good. I'm working it out, baby. I anointed you over there, and I put you back in that dumb thing because I'm working things out. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And so you're going to see that when the enemy tries to come back and test you again, and the enemy tries to come back and tempt you again, you'll be able to look at him and say, I've already been through that. I've been through the storm. I've been through the rain. I've been through trials. I've been through pain. You can try to stab me there, but my heart is hard to it now. It don't matter like it used to. I'm not affected like I once was. I don't cry like I used to. I'm not as tender next spot because God built up my resistance. I'm not going back to that because God built up my endurance. Having done all the stand, stand there for it's all work together. It's all good. It's all good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all good. I didn't like it, but it's all good. And I need you to know, my brother, you're about to see it soon. You're about to see it soon. You're about to understand it soon. Your family's about to get a new daddy. Your family's about to get a new brother. You're about to get a new uncle and introduce me to the family because God said that promise I made you. You're about to see it soon. I dare you to praise him right now for the promise. You're about to see it soon. 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 You're about to see it soon. You're about to see it soon. You're about to walk into it. You're about to dance into it. You're about to lead into it. You're about to march into it. God told me you're about to see the promises that your father didn't see. You're about to see the things your father didn't see. You're about to see the things your uncles didn't see. You're about to see the things your granddaddy prayed for. 
we will serve the Lord. The enemy is after the seed within you. The seed of greatness within you. That's the reason why he makes you question yourself like he does. That's the reason why he says he tries to convince you it's not manly to go and talk to somebody else. It's not manly to talk to her. It's not manly to talk to that brother because he wants to make you think that you're on this island by yourself and he wants to make you think that you're by yourself because he wants to kill you from the inside. If you ever want to torture a prisoner, you don't have to put them in a in a, a room with lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, you don't have to put them in that kind of room. All you got to do to kill a prisoner slowly is put them in a room of isolation by themselves where they're left alone with their thoughts. And pretty soon their own thoughts will begin to eat at them. To if you leave them in there too long, they won't be any good for anybody's use because their own thoughts have distorted them. And now they no longer know the difference between reality and what they conjured up in their head. And that's what the enemy is doing. He's making you think that those thoughts that he's bringing to your head are the reality of what God says. It is not. It is not. The devil is a liar. The devil is after you. But the devil is defeated. He's defeated. He can fight all he wants to. He is defeated. He is not an equal opposite power to God. He is already defeated. Walk in your authority, brother. You're a king's kid. You're king's kid. You're a son of the king. And the son of the king walks around a bit differently than anybody else. The son of a king walks in his authority. The son of a king walks in the power that his father has given him based off his bloodline. You are a son of a king. You're commanded to walk in that inheritance that God has promised you. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. You are going to see it. You will see it soon. I was going to go into the difference between complex and simple sentences because the Lord said, you got to put a comma before the soon because it breaks the sentence structure down but just because we're in a school I still don't have my past there. God said you're going to see it soon 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 it's coming soon the restless nights you've been having is because you're pregnant with destiny and so if you've ever been around a woman when she's pregnant, she's restless at night because the baby is moving. The baby won't be still. And she's getting ready to have something. And so she cannot rest because the thing on the inside of her is moving and it's growing and requires a certain it requires a different version of her. She has to watch what she eats. She has to watch how she walks. She has to watch how she exercises. She has to watch what she intakes in her body. And that's the same thing. See, they have a book called 
what to expect when you're expecting. That's the natural baby. But they don't tell you what to expect when you're expecting destiny on your life. When you're expecting the promises of God. What you, when you're expecting the promises of God in your life, you have to do the same thing. You have to watch what you see. You have to watch what you hear. You have to watch your intake because you are nurturing something on the inside. And so what the devil wants to do is he wants to keep feeding you with toxicity. So you kill what's on the inside and you never believe that what's growing on the inside is about to come out and, and birth the promises that God has for you. There's something inside of you. And you cannot die now. You cannot die now. You are going to see it. You will see it soon. Heads by the eyes closed. Father, these are your sons. These are your brothers. Touch. Touch your sons today. Your sons today. If they're father, if they're uncle, if they're godfather, if they're great uncle, whatever they are, God, they're your sons. Touch them today. They're seed carriers. Some of them give them the chance to speak into their nieces and nephews' lives, their friends' lives. They're seed carriers, God. Touch them today. Thank you for the reassurance and the victory that we will see it soon. I thank you for even speaking to me. Thank you, God. Bless your sons and your daughters who needed to hear this word. Thank you. The promise was an aborted God. I thank you, Lord, for the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. Praise God for 30 seconds. Come on. For what he's about to do. For what he's about to do. For what he's about to do. Quickly, two things. Take your seats for me. Take your seats. I'm, I'm going to just take five minutes. I'm going to get you out before brunch. I'm, I promise you that. Brunch, lunch. Or, or flying a kite, whatever you're going to do. Just give me just a second. I'm going to ask you, if you have, if you have uh, uh, one of those giving uh, cards, I'm going to ask that we, we, you sow it to the kingdom of God. If you need a card, we have some, let us know. If you need a regular envelope, let us know. We have those as well. Uh, but I'm going to ask you that you will sow it to the kingdom of God. So into the kingdom of God. So into what God is doing. God is doing something here at Grateful Heart Church. God is doing something here at Grateful Heart Church. As my wife said, we're doing a clothing and appliance drive. Then before school starts, we're going to do a school, a back to school drive. And then we're going to do some more food drives. Our purpose of this ministry is to make the city, make the neighborhood that we are in make our presence felt if Jesus said that, that, that we're to be the, the salt and we'll be to light the light of the city then salt changes the, the atmosphere it changes the taste and that is what we're going to do 
we're going to affect where we're planted. We're going to affect where we're planted. Can you say amen? We're going to affect where we're planted. We're going to affect where God has us. We're not going to just be here making a bunch of noise. We're going to affect where we're planted. We're going to do stuff to let the city know, to let our government know that the people of God are here. We're going to do something. We're going to build up our young men and our young women. We're going to build it up. We got Children's Church available. Thank God for Sister Yemi. Can we praise God for her? Amen. Glory to God. We got Children's Church. We are going to build God's people. We're going to build God's people. We're going to build God's people. We're going to build God's people. Hell knows that we're here. That's the reason why the devil's been fighting us. Hell knows we're here. We're going to build God's people. From the inside out, from the baby to the to the elder, we're going to build God's people. Glory to God. She done got lost in the message. If you have your offer, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to sow in the kingdom of God. I praise God. But I don't have what I'm going to do on my phone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. First-time visitors here, will you wave your hands at us? Amen, amen. Praise God. We praise God. We celebrate God for you. We thank God for you that you would come and visit us here. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to just ask for three more minutes. I promise, three more minutes, I'll get you out. Let's head bow. Father, we thank you for these seeds we've sown. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to bless it and multiply it according to your will and according to your word. I thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. I thank you, Lord, for answering prayers tangible, God. And I thank you, Lord, for answering prayers in ways that money cannot buy. I thank you for health. I thank you for stability. I thank you for financial blessings. I thank you for relational blessings. I thank you, Lord, for the harvest coming in, God. I thank you, Lord, that we expect a harvest, whether we're here in person or online sowing. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in the lives of your people today, God. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, this is what I need. I need you can be seated. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to move this out the way. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask for my fathers. Uh-oh. And whether you're a natural father or really maybe you're a godfather because sometimes you're a standing father or half uh, or a stepdad or whatever you are. I'm going to ask for all of my fathers to come up here, please. Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Let's celebrate our fathers. 
All my followers, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, come on. I, I got something for you. I got, some, I, I got something for you. Yeah, Come on, these are your fathers. Come on, brothers, y'all shy. Come on, we'll stand up here. Now, this is what I want to do. Regardless of, of what they may do, and I hope that you'll celebrate and appreciate it, but I want to say this to you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for standing in the gap. Thank you for being scared, but still standing. Thank you for the sleepless nights. You didn't know how you were gonna make it, but you comforted the family. Thank you for driving to the basketball games and the soccer games and the recitals and the ballet tournaments. And thank you for the piano lessons. And thank you for cooking the food Thank you for eating the food. Thank you for fixing the cars. Thank you for fixing the hardware, the, the, the things in the house that were breaking down. Thank you. Thank you for holding our hands. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes you didn't know what you were doing. You just stood there as a father and as a man. And I want to say thank you for what you've done for what you are doing. Thank you for the legacy you are leaving. If nobody else says thank you, I want to say thank you. And I know they're going to celebrate you, but I want to say thank you. Whether your son is old enough to express it or not, whether you have sons, whether you have daughters, your kid's not old enough to really say it, I want to say thank you. The legacy the impact that you are leaving will last far beyond when you leave here. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Come on, let's give it up for our fathers. One more time. Let's give it up for them. Let's give it up for them. We celebrate you. We honor you. We praise God for you. These are your brothers, your sons, your fathers, your uncles. These are the ones who are catching the javelin sometimes and catching the darts. And you don't even see the how bloody their backs are. But they're catching it so that you don't have to. Thank you for what you do. Now everybody you already saying so you understand. As I pronounce the benediction on this service. We leave here and have your presence. I thank you, God, for these men, for these brothers, for these sisters. I thank you for what you've done. Now, Lord, be glorified in our lives, in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.